Do you dream of having time and money freedom? Are you looking for ways to enjoy business and life harmony or just to improve your business and yourself? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with your host, Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn from experts in business, leadership, personal development, and mindset to help you create your ideal business lifestyle, whatever that means for you. And now, here's your host, Shirley Dalton. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom and I'm your host, Shirley Dalton. I'm on a mission to help you create your ideal business lifestyle. As a business and leadership strategist, I help my clients get their businesses under control, grow themselves and their teams so that the business works for them and their team and they can enjoy more money, more time and less stress. And if you'd like to know more, I invite you to visit ShirleyDalton.com. In my role as radio and TV show host, I bring you additional experts to help you improve your business and your life. And today we're going to learn how you can have a brilliant idea every 60 seconds and why, according to our guest today, writer, producer and director Michael Crichton, creativity is a way of operating and not just a talent. Welcome, Michael. Well, thank you. It's a real pleasure to, uh, to be with you and with your listeners. Thanks, Michael. Michael, I always like to start by sharing a little bit about our guest's background so our audience can get to know you a little before we dive into our conversation, which I must say I'm really intrigued by your statement that creativity is an operating process and not a talent. In fact, your ideation and creative thinking methodology was developed over the past 37 years in your career as a creative communications and ideation expert. Your methodology and its associated tools are being applied in personal lives and professional careers, helping people connect to their individual ways of operating creatively. Your purpose is to make the process of generating ideas highly tangible and to help individuals connect with their individual creativity. It's also about speed, generating ideas right now. Born in Montreal, Canada, you studied in theatre and music and found your career in broadcast media beginning in the radio industry. Professionally, you've been generating ideas and creating all forms of creative communication and programming as a writer, producer, director, musician, composer and a creative communications consultant. You also continue to perform as a voice talent behind the microphone and a performer on camera, and you've written a number of books, including A Brilliant Idea Every 60 Seconds and The Father's Guide to Surviving with Kids, which sold over 300,000 copies. In 2011, you co-scripted and directed How Time Flies, An Evening with William Shatner, which toured Canada, and you've also been the recipient of numerous awards from Hollywood Radio and Television Society, New York Radio and Television Festival, Television Bureau of Canada and Radio Bureau of Canada. Wow, <laughs> that's an impressive resume. Where do we start? <laughs> Who is that guy? <laughs> you know, as, as I get older, it, it, it's, it's the cumulative process one looks back on. And I, I really appreciate uh, a colleague of mine who once said that Really, you're only as good as what you're doing right now. So if I'm on the Shirley Dalton program, I know I'm doing very well. And, and I appreciate the fact that I'm speaking with listeners in Australia because Australia is a place I have never gone to, but I've had a connection creatively with Australia uh, in the past through uh, radio uh, projects. And, and so it's wonderful to it's, – it's, it's, it's almost uncomfortable hearing – your own resume read to you. It's a, it's a fascinating process. Anyway, I'm ready to dive in. What, where do you want to start? <laughs> okay, and, and just on that, uh, it's not only Australia too. We've got listeners worldwide, and, in fact, we've picked up some uh, listeners in Finland and also we had a, a huge town in Italy have joined us as well. So, um, And I'd love to see you in Australia. And, and yes, it, it is uncomfortable sometimes listening to your own resume, but, hey, you've done it and we need to know about it. So today well, – yeah, go on. No, I was going to say, well, hopefully, uh, I, I hope people will walk away today with something a little more tangible around that nefarious word, creativity. But uh, go ahead, ask, uh, ask away, and we will, uh, we will have a conversation. 
<laughs> All right, Michael. So tell us more about your interest in creativity, not just from a personal point of view of using your own, but you've been able to create a methodology that others can learn. So what's your view of creativity? Well, I, uh, something you mentioned uh, in terms of uh, my, uh, my bio, and, and it really comes from John Cleese. And I'm sure there will be a number of listeners who will remember John Cleese as one of the founding members of Monty Python's Flying Circus. Mm -hmm. And in a, in a talk that he gave to uh, video arts in the, in the United Kingdom, when he was doing actually, this was after kind of like Monty Python's, he was doing a bunch of, of sales motivational videos. And in a speech he gave to the people he was producing with, he said, creativity is not a talent, it's a way of operating. And, and many times over the course of my life, and I'm sure surely you've run into this too, people come up to you and say, you know, I wish I could be as creative as you. You know, how do you generate ideas like that? How do you come up with ideas? And that began to percolate and, and motivated me to develop what eventually became my methodology. And the purpose of it was to make creativity more tangible. And, and the word itself, I think when we say creativity, people think, oh, well, you know, to be creative, you have to have a written a best-selling book or you're Brad Pitt or I invented Facebook or I invented something or reinvented economics or something. Mm -hmm. And what people don't understand is that every day uh, we operate creatively. Creativity is not a talent. It is a way that we operate. And even today, any one of your listeners, I could say, I could have a five-minute conversation with you and point out the many ways that your mind is making decisions based on the way you operate creatively. But what people want is they say, so well, I'm looking for an idea. I'm looking to, maybe they're looking to, uh, maybe they're older now and they, they want to engage in something new or they're involved in a project and they need an idea for a thing, or maybe they need to uh, find a solution to a problem, or they want to innovate in their business, or they want to improve productivity. All of these things require ideas. And my methodology very clearly was focused on the purpose of it, was to make creativity more tangible. And that the, the idea, if you will, is that you can sit down even when you're hungover on Sunday morning after a Saturday party and follow the methodology and be able to generate ideas right now. Not, not, you know, not staring in the sky, hoping it falls into your head, but that there's a process that you can engage in that would lead you to ideas right now. And that's really interesting because uh, a lot of people, when they're talking about creativity, we say that we need to get out of our um, logical brain and, you know, into that, that space where we're able to almost receive uh, creativity. So I'm really interested and I believe you're going to share some of your methodology with us today as well. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because, you know, at the end of the day, the brain is the brain. It's the whole thing. And we tend to compartmentalize. and We do that with language. And, and we, we have terms of reference and we say, well, this is what it's about. Really, the brain is the whole brain. You have a right brain and a left brain and a whole brain. And your brain is constantly connecting dots even when you're not thinking. And, and one of the things I like to say, I'll give you an example. I remember when I was a young copywriter and in radio and, uh, a salesperson would come in and say, oh, I got a client coming in. We're going to think outside the box. And I would get hives when they would say that because I was going, what's outside the box? <laughs> and there's, there's nothing outside the box. It's like the, the reality is that we're always in a box. Because let's face it, the reality that you know to be true is the reality that you know to be true. Really, what's outside the box is the vastness of our own ignorance. And then what we do is it's an ever-expanding box because we grow and we learn. And at the edge of the box, we convert this ignorance into knowledge, understanding, and ideas. So rather than think that it's out there, the creativity is out there somewhere, it's not out there. 
It's inside of us. The reality that you know to be true, really, that's it. That's what you have. I remember when I was young, I was with a group of uh, uh, fellas, and uh, we were, uh, it was kind of college days. And yes, we were a little inebriated, I have to <laughs> But I remember one guy saying to me, you know, Michael, if I could exchange brains with you for 10 seconds, I bet the, I bet the shock would kill me. <laughs> and it stayed with me for the rest of my life as I thought, what if you could exchange minds and still retain your own identity, but exchange minds with someone else? When I think about anyone out there, whether you're a man or a woman, and think of your significant other, and uh, regardless of, of the nature of your relationship, and, and, and say, what would happen if you had one other reference around reality that was not your own? And, and the thing I realized is that really that's all we have. So I don't like the statement, uh, think outside the box, because there's nothing outside the box except the vastness of our own ignorance. And I embrace the vastness of my own ignorance. And, and I think that if we look at the fact that it's not about change either, because there's a lot of people that hear, you know, and, and I do respect people like Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and, and, and even Deepak Chopra, etc. I mean, but I'm not a fan of the word change. You can change your underwear. You can change where you live. You can change your relationship. But who you are as an individual in terms of right and wrong, good and evil, your concept of integrity, respect, and love, these are things that are very entrenched. We can, however, shift our thinking. So if I have any goal in terms of the the, the understanding of creativity is that if I could shift your thinking today and, and, and you would be able to realize I am creative because I have no choice, I'm creative, and realize that there is a process you can engage in that leads you to the opportunity to generate whatever it is you need. Like I said, solve a problem, improve productivity. You're working with a committee, maybe you're involved with a nonprofit organization. You're looking for a theme. You're looking for a purpose. You're looking for innovation. There is a, a tangible process that you can follow that will enable you to connect the dots. And that, that's what your mind does. I am a, I'm a big fan of, of Steve Jobs. He is an icon to me. And he talked about connecting dots. And, uh, I mean, surely look at what you're doing and how many people have connected with. Mm -hmm. The reason people connect with you is because creatively they make that decision to do so. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, and I remember that talk by Steve Jobs as well at, um, about connecting the dots going backwards, but you reckon that you can also connect them going forwards. And I think this is a really good spot for us to take a break. And let's get into this when we come back where you, you might show us some of this methodology because I'm sure our listeners have got problems and challenges that they want to solve. So to know that there is an actual methodology that you can follow, I think that's, that's just brilliant. So stay with us and we'll be right back. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate and support you to be, do, have and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Deal business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Just Todfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. You 
are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. And welcome back. Wow, are you excited to learn this new methodology? And as uh, we're talking today with Michael Crichton, who is the author of A Brilliant Idea Every 60 Seconds. And according to Michael, there is no outside the box. It's in the box. And so, Michael, you're about to teach us now some of this methodology. Right. Let me, uh, let me engage you as well and your listeners and say, all right, Think about something that you want to achieve, some sort of goal. Um, let me maybe give a bit of quick backstory and say that uh, Stephen Jobs has said you can't connect the dots forward, you can only connect them backwards. And the reason he, he referred to that is that the font that you see on your Apple computer, the way it looks is the result of Steve who went through university in a very ad hoc fashion. He took a calligraphy course. And that, in that process, he found a design of, of how the wording would look. And that ended up being the font that, that you now see in, in, on your Apple computer in your programs. And I thought, what if you could connect the dots forward? What if you could predict? So uh, I contextualized it by saying, all right, and what is the end reel in your movie? And I'm going to ask you this, Shirley, on behalf of your listeners, and, and I will engage you in this process. What is your end reel in the movie? Now, it could be the end reel of your life, if you want to go that far, or it could be the end reel in the movie that you're in in terms of the phase of your life, uh, and it could be something that maybe you're in a, a plan that may be happening over you know, three to five years, or maybe you're just trying to deal with something that's, that you're engaged in for the next six months. What does the end reel look like? So you imagine, here's the happy ending of my movie. You establish that in your mind. It's called end reel thinking. You establish that in your mind. And then you say, what was the scene that happened before that? What's the dot before that? And you say, what would have had to have happened in order for me to get to that point? And then you say, what was the dot that had to happen before that dot? And you go back to where you are now. And then the methodology says aim for one dot. It doesn't matter which dot you aim for. Find the one where you go, I think I can organize myself and hit that particular goal. The reality is that creativity is a thousand dollars. Pick one. I mentioned this to my sons when they were confused about their future. And what happens is the mind, your mind is going to engage. Your mind, here's an example. When you hit a moment where you say it occurred to me, that's an example of your mind when you were not looking, connected the dots on something you were thinking about and kicked it upstairs. So surely let's put you in the exercise. Okay. What do you what do you have? What What's an end real scene in your movie? Paint me a scene. Describe a scene at the end of some kind of phase in your life, or where are you, and, and how do you see it? Okay. Well, at the moment, I'm in transition, and so the, the next uh, end reel that I see is that I actually want to be helping women to develop their self-esteem and their confidence because I'm finding that this is a big issue. We can go out there and we can get all of the skills and the knowledge to learn about advertising on Facebook, do your online programs, get up and speak, yada, 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 all of these skills. But the one thing that holds people back is that we say no to ourselves before taking the action. So I'm... That's where I want to go. That's my end reel is to be able to help people to change that. Well, instead of saying we'll be able to help, let's assume that in the end reel, Shirley Dalton has found one thing that galvanizes women and men, for that matter, mm -hmm. to, that, to that objective. You have found one thing and you've identified it. The beautiful thing is you don't have to know what it is right now. 
you can assume that you have found it. And people now want to talk to you. They want to engage in the things that you write and speak, and they already are. But now you have found one thing. What would have happened before that? And, and if you were to draw a couple of dots, identify one dot that has to happen before that end reel where now you are a destination for that solution. What would have happened in advance for that to occur? Or a couple of things. And be bold. You can you can be selfish and maybe a little self-centered about it. It's okay. Uh, all right. Well, there's a couple of things that would have to have happened. Uh, I would need to create a program. I would need to let people know about it. Uh, so no no good having it if nobody knows about it. And um, so advertising and marketing in some way. Um, uh, well, you know what? They're they're right there. You've created a dot that you can aim for because you said, I need to create the program. Now, you already have in your bailiwick, you already have a lot of material that you have created, much like myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been encouraged to take my, my nine inherent values and establish an online course, and that is one of the dots that I have to hit. And this is the thing is that if – the people that are now listening, I would, I, would, I would ask you, there's something you already know that you have to do. There's a place you want to be, but there's a thing you already know. Now, if you were to say, well, okay, what do I have to do? Then you start connecting further dots back to where you are. The, the real thing is, is that when we accept the reality that creativity is a way of operating, then really all it is after that is, is a function of, defining things we simply want to do. And I know it sounds perhaps cliche, but it is. It's about doing. It doesn't have to be perfect. You may not, people I think tend, and I've done the same thing too, where it's got to be perfect. I've got to make the right decision. Eliminate right and wrong. Creativity is not about right and wrong. Creativity is about doing. And the moment you do something, whether it achieves the result that you want it to achieve, well, it doesn't have to be the, the acid test of what you're doing. Doing will lead you to other things. You'll switch gears. You'll find things. You will connect with people. When your mind is engaged in the process, you'll begin to notice things. You'll begin to notice Michael Crichton or Shirley Galt. You'll start to look at things. You'll start to hear conversations. You will see things on television. You will hear things on radio. You will see things. And your mind will start to absorb, and your mind will connect those dots in between the big dots that you create. Now, the methodology in my book is very structural. So if you say, well, how do I do that more specifically? more deliberately. Well, the process that I have, I have nine inherent values. Uh, one of them is, 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 is really a, a, a function result. And you look at something that has a function and you look at something that has a result, you start making lists under those. When you begin to put lists, maybe what would appeal more to your listeners is problems because a lot of people have problems to solve. Well, it, problem solution is one of my inherent values. Really, the other one that works with that is called cause and effect. It is amazing what happens when you look at a problem that you have. You list the causes. You list the effects. But then people stop there. My process now in the methodology is, okay, start looking at ones that look similar. Look at opposites. Cluster the, the causes and the solutions. You start to see trends. And suddenly you begin to realize, you begin to notice things because your brain is ready for it. And you go, I didn't realize this series of causes is similar. This series of effects is similar. I'm certain to get something. It may be at the end of the day, so well, I'm the problem. But, you know, whatever it is, it may be disappointing. But the thing is, is that you don't have to now sit down and wait for an idea to pop out from out of the sky. 
the process of the methodology, it really is about uh, defining things more specifically rather than looking at any process and just going, well, it's out there. My significant other, Jan, when she says in answer to my question, honey, what's wrong? And she says nothing. That is a world of conversation. <laughs> because nothing is one word that means I have issues. And so uh, I asked her, what does nothing look like? Anyway, I have found ways to communicate with many people where, and, and this is something actually in my book, it's called negative space thinking, which is, is I thought would be science fiction to a lot of people. But it ends up being one of the most popular triggers that people read. The essence of what negative space thinking is is that it's about seeing the things that we don't see when we're looking at them. It's about hearing the things that we don't hear when we're listening. And an example of that is one I just gave you where your significant other is there's issues. Now, there's a lot of language going on around that. Their demeanor, their, 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 uh, you know, their, their facial expression. The, the, basically the physical communication. And you ask them what's wrong and they say nothing. You realize there's something there. Nothing means something. And that's negative space. And if you want a physical example of it, go home, stand on your head, look at your living room. You will notice things in the rooms that you live in that you never noticed before. It's about looking in the shadows and not in the light. They're in our ideas. And we can cause shifts in our thinking. But creativity is an ongoing process. That's not the solution. It is everything. It exists. Everyone's creative in my world. And you yourself, you just said, well, I need to create a program. Well, the thing is you have all of the tools. No? True? Most likely, yeah. Yep. And you take those elements that you've already created because you operate creatively. If you were to take those tools and put them down on paper, those are a lot of dots right there. And you say, well, I have a program. Because really the dot you're aiming for is to take what you have and to create the program because you already identified that that leads you to the dot you're leading to. That's the kind of thing that we can do in our personal lives as well as our professional lives is that we can identify where we're going, come back to a dot where we go, well, actually, I have some things, and then we begin to assemble it. Using the methodology I have, hopefully, then, well, not hopefully, but it's designed for that, helps you move forward in manifesting what you want to do. Okay. I we're going to take a short break and I want to come back and circle around on this because this is fascinating and I want to make sure that our listeners are getting this process because what you're giving here are truly gems um, and also what we get out of that too is a lot of confidence that we already do have the answers. So stay with us listeners, we'll be right back. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand or your business? Jess Tonfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Deal Business Lifestyle. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. 
Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Wow, how's your brain going, listeners? I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely fascinated. Today we're talking with Michael Crichton, who's the author of A Brilliant Idea Every 60 Seconds. And Michael is teaching us how to make creativity tangible. And if you were with us in the last segment, we were looking at an example of my own where I'm in transition and it's about joining the dots. And Michael was mentioning a couple of his uh, couple of his nine values, which was function, result, problem, solution, cause and effect, and where he's actually looking then at the causes and the effects of a problem that you might have or looking at similars and opposites, clustering causes and solutions, being able to see trends. And so just to make this a little bit more tangible for our listeners, Michael, can you give us an example? You know, of, Because what I heard was that um, it, it's about us asking the questions and then identifying that we already have the answers. And, and that is perhaps the single largest challenge that we face because people certainly, people in problem-solving situations, I mean, certainly psychologists know this very well, psychiatrists know this very well, they're trained for that. But the rest of us, and that includes myself and, and possibly you, is, is that we're always challenged to say, well, what are the questions I'm supposed to ask? Now, the methodology is designed to help guide you without you having to know. But I'll give you an example, and it actually comes from uh, part four of my book, and it's the Nine Inherent Values, which is all about the methodology. And it can be challenging reading for some, but let me share one with you, and I'm going to stick with, with cause and effect. And I'm going to pick something that I think a lot of your listeners might identify with, and certainly I've had an experience as a single parent. Mm-hmm. So this is about single parents. So if you look at cause and effect, we're going to examine how does a single parent operate in such a way that we can define the cause and effect that exists in their life. Well, it's very simple. Single parents, as we all know, were challenged by time. And at the end of the busy day, we still have to function as nurturers and caregivers, we have to feed our children, we chauffeur them to, to activities, we do all of this while trying to find time for ourselves. What is the thing that we miss? What is the effect uh, of that cause? It is that we do not have time. Now, if you take that process, and again, the, the methodology can, can help you look at other situations, you will find that the question you you might be asking is, what's my problem as a parent? Your problem is time. Because the cause of being a single parent leads to the effect of not having time. And then when you look at how marketers have responded to that, in food retail, certainly in North America, I don't know, I can't answer for other countries, but certainly in North America, the proliferation of products that you now see that are called ready-made, mm-hmm. that came from an understanding of that industry, realizing that the cause of being a single parent was the effect of a lack of time, meaning they didn't have as much time to cook. They, didn't have, they needed stuff that was ready to go. And that's why we see a proliferation of product, for example, on the economic level of things. We see a proliferation of product. Now, if you were to look at it in your personal life and you have a problem with a significant other, you can start by saying, you know what the causes are? This is the problem. In relationships, we always know what the causes are. You don't listen to me. You aren't sensitive to my situation. But rather than ask that question, ask yourself the question, what is the effect and how does the effect relate to the person from which the effect is coming from. Usually it's a significant other. So you say, what effects am I seeing? Withdrawal. He's fighting me or she's fighting me on every point. When you look at the effects, you ask yourself the question, what is consistent about that effect? Maybe you begin to realize 
through the process, you begin to ask yourself, is it because they are angry with me? Well, anger is a common thing, but it's deeper than that. But we ask ourselves, the effect looks like what? Anger, what is anger also? Hurt. And we begin to, if we even ask ourselves the question, why is my significant other feeling that way? That's the question. You have finally identified a question that is much more valuable than the, than the observation of the cause. Most relationships in business, in personal life, they fail because people only examine cause and they don't really ask themselves, what are the aspects of effects? So, and the so, methodology, so that's an example. Yeah, so, so in that respect then, when you, you're saying cause, what your your meaning is like? What's the problem that I'm I'm experiencing at the moment? You know what? Yes, yeah. So what is my problem? I'm not being listened to. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling hurt. I'm not. My my needs are not being met. So there. Well, that's not a cause. That's an effect. And you say to yourself, "What is the cause of that?" Now it may be yes. You can examine your effects first. And then you can start listening and say, what's causing that? My spouse doesn't know how to understand me? Or has there been a behavioral change? You know, you may have to look at the effects and list them and say, what is similar about all these effects? And now you begin to ask the question, what is the cause? Quite often, if you simply do the exercise, because I think what happens in most, for example, relationships, both in business and in personal life, is that we just examine one side but not the other. We never ask the question, what might the cause be? Or what what are the effects? How do I understand one or, or, or the other? And the brain, when you give the brain the opportunity by focusing, and that is a tangible creative process. If you simply stop and think about something, your brain is already working on a multiplicity of levels to draw from its experience to pull together an understanding that, that you don't even realize your brain is doing, but it will. That's why I say, say like sometimes people wake up in the morning, they have a problem, they go to sleep, they wake up in the morning, and suddenly they have a solution. Well, that's the example of how your brain does work. If you give yourself to that proposition, it is amazing how and what I've learned over the last few years, my intuition has evolved tremendously because I just don't buy into I don't know the answer. I, I don't say that. I don't necessarily know the answer. But what I say is I'm already thinking about it. My brain's going to tell me something, and you let go. But we have to look at both sides of any – the inherent values have two sides always. Function, result, uh, cause and effect. Now, I have singularities like the other alternative and, and a few others. I have one called shits and giggles. That's random creative process. One and many of us engage in <laughs> Shits and giggles. It's called shits and giggles. In other words, an exercise typically in shits and giggles, which is something I invented, but in shits and giggles, first word that comes to your mind. And quite often, it's amazing. When you stop and you see a group of people in a meeting where you're trying to generate ideas and say, first thing that comes to your mind, list the first 10 things that come out of people's mouths, and I guarantee you, you will find a dot that takes you forward. It's amazing how it works. Okay. So, so I, I just, just want to recap on that because you made some really, really important points there, and I just want to make sure that our listeners got that. So you were saying that uh, rather than asking the question or telling ourselves, I don't know the answer, you say, I'm already thinking about it and then let go. And so for, for people in business, our leaders, our managers, if you've got some perplexing problem at the moment, then put it to uh, what I call the committee of sleep. You know, sometimes I think like you'd said, Michael, where you go to bed at night and then wake up in the morning with a solution and for me I say all right I'm putting it to the committee of sleep because I can't think of the answer at the moment 
but like you say, there's one coming. And and I love your little reference there to um, shits and giggles. And, and I thought that's what you said. And I thought, no, maybe I'm hearing the accent wrong or something. So um, when no, you... No, you didn't. That, that's, that, that is it, shits and giggles. I, I spell shits S, uh, S-H-I-T-Z. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so you were saying that if you ask people to list off 10 things, then generally that will create a dot. And and so for our listeners, we just to recap on this before we head to a, a la, our last quick break, is that if you've got a problem, Michael has given you their one, just one of his nine values to help you solve that, and that is the cause and the effect. And so my understanding is that you can look at it from either side. You can look at it from the cause, what's the problem, or you can look at it, the effect, what's happening because of this. And then as you start to analyse that and then to find trends, then you'll start to get the answers. And I think, I think what you've come up with there, Michael, is absolute gold. So we're going to take a short break and when we come back, we're going to look a little bit more into the key steps to shifting our thinking about creativity and the purpose for writing the book, A Brilliant Idea Every 60 Seconds. Stay with us and we'll be right back. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Deal business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Jess Tonfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. Well, I don't know about you, but my brain is certainly starting to think differently and to look inside my own box rather than outside my box. We're talking today with the author of A Brilliant Idea Every 60 Seconds, Michael Crichton. And Michael, in a minute, you're going to tell us the purpose of writing the book. But you were also saying when we were chatting on the break that in your book, you've uh, actually got the nine values and then also six questions that we need to ask in order to shift our thinking around creativity. So would you share that with us, please? Sure. And one might think it, it might, you, you think one should do this at the beginning, but perhaps it resonates and then people can go back and re-listen to this broadcast and, and, and appreciate uh, what this context is. In order to be able to connect to the nature of your own creativity, in other words, what am I talking about? And we're talking about your creativity as an individual. Well, how do you know? Because if you're a person that says I'm not that creative, then I'm going to ask you to consider this. I myself asked that question at one point. It ended up being, I guess you could say, synthesized down to six basic questions, but based on the games of pretending. And when I asked myself, how do I do what I do? One question that, that I arrived at was, when, where did this start? And I examined my life and I realized that in childhood, and then it evolved from there, so I'm going to get to the point now, is that when we're children, we play games of pretending. It is the one time in our lives when we are fluidly creative without analyzing the creativity. 
we operate creatively. Uh, granted, maybe some children, maybe some people out there had a childhood that was suffocated or abused. So that becomes more problematic. But when we look at it in more general terms, and hopefully we see the majority of the world out there, it's not the case. So when we look at it from that point of view, you had you played games of pretending. Now, here are six questions, and I'll rattle through them. When you were a child, what activities did you engage in? So what games did you play? How did you express your imagination? What were the stories or scenarios about? Where were you when you engaged in those activities? What props and materials were involved? Were you alone or were others involved? What role did everyone play? Now, in reading the book, it expands on that, and I'm offering your listeners that chapter with that exercise. And I'm also going to include one of the inherent values plus a, uh, a one-hour consultation, preferably by Skype, as long as since phone calls are expensive, <laughs> but we would work something out. So I'm offering that as part of this program because I love to engage people. And, and I think that if my offer is going to be meaningful, we have to talk about the nature of your creativity, and then we can examine part of the methodology, and then from there uh, we can begin to explore what, what it is you want to do through a coaching session and talk about what are you looking, what do you need an idea for? That's the essence of, of the coaching session is you tell me what you need an idea for, and that's what we do. Now, in, in the process of examining pretending, you begin to realize that there was a time when you were fluidly creative. What I have found most fascinating in the workshops and speaking engagements I've done is that when I go through that exercise, and then I say, now connect that process to who, who you are today. Surely, when you were young, what games were pretending did you engage in? Well, I was a, an only child, so a lot of my games were by myself. And uh, so <laughs> I, I used to actually teach my, my dolls. I used to have teddy bears and dolls, and, and I would get up on the little veranda that we had uh, or the patio and put my dolls around, have a little chalkboard, and I would pretend to be the teacher. Okay, well, obviously we see the connection to who you are today, but what I will be interested in is what did you put on the board? <laughs> what did you What did you teach? Oh, okay, that's what's got me. I'm just thinking back to that blackboard. Uh, there were certainly words on it. I, I can remember being about four years old, so I was able to spell and, uh, yeah, and I think there was lots of Do you of remember a word? Do you remember any context from there? No, no, that's really interesting. I've never really thought about that. Um, but that's okay. If you were now, you have the opportunity to go back and look at that because obviously what you're doing today certainly reflects creatively who you were, who you are, your way of operating is is inherent in the games of pretending that you engage in. What you might find very interesting is when you think back at some point, and you can let me know by email perhaps down the road or post it in one of your articles when you publish, is what were the words that actually ended up? You see, my daughter did the same thing, and, and now she is engaged in the kinds of things that are instructional. She used to do the same thing. I've had uh, individuals go through an epiphany, a writer who finally discovered where his voice as a writer came from. I had a, a business fellow who realized that he used to play hockey and he was always playing the, the championship game on the ice by himself and he realized what he was about from the games of pretending that he played because you see that is when we are foodly created. We never lose because we always operate creatively. So I'm going to ask everyone in your audience, sit down and ask yourself, what games of pretending did you play? You can go through the six manifestations or ask for the free offering we have, and then look at who you are today. And at that point, you cannot deny that you operate creatively. Once you make that connection, the world becomes your oyster. It will, it will galvanize even more and empower you in terms of the leadership you have in your own life. You'll begin to realize that ideas are not something 
um, mystical or mythical, that in fact, it's part of a process that you can engage in and you will find ideas. And that's the other thing about the purpose of the book is to, is to uh, engage people in such a way that they understand we do not come up with ideas. We find them because the universe of our mind is about what we know and we will find the ideas within what we understand. Oh, that gave me goosebumps listening to that. So <laughs> the universe of the mind is it's about what we know, that we don't come up with ideas, that we find them. And every once in a while, surely there is the big idea. But here's something I gotta I gotta share with you. Is that Zuckerberg didn't invent Facebook. He invented a directory for students. He didn't know he was creating Facebook. The world created Facebook because we engaged. It engaged our imagination. We created Facebook. Zuckerberg created a directory. And when we realized this, then we realized that we were all part of the creative process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. That's big. So, so, Michael, you mentioned that you have that gift for our listeners today, but we didn't say where they can access it. Well, they will be able to access it through my website. And I, uh, I, uh, I'm actually, by the time the program uh, uh, gets to air, I, am, I will have a very specific link uh, that they will be able to go to. My website is michaelcrichton.com. And uh, it's still a, a work in progress. I'm, I'm uh, tweaking it a little bit. And if there's any issue, you can simply email me. I have no problem sharing my email. It's my full name, Michael Crichton, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-K-R-Y-T-O-N, at shaw.ca. And please reach out to me with any comments about what we've called about or what we've talked about and certainly about the offer. I I want to connect with you and I want to follow up on what you experience as a result. Okay. Well, as much as I would love to continue this, we are out of time. So, uh, listeners, if you want to go to michaelcrichton.com and that's Crichton with a K. So, how are you feeling? Are you a little more creative? I suspect so. And I wonder how many ideas you may have generated whilst listening to Michael. Michael, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It was absolutely fascinating. It has been a real privilege. Thank you so much, Shirley. Yeah. And as always, listeners, I encourage you to take action on what you've learned today so that you can continue to create your ideal business lifestyle. Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next week for an inspirational and educational edition. Until then, be sure to implement what you've learned today to create your ideal business lifestyle. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here for the next show.